0: Welcome to Radio Wasteland, your favorite show about the paranormal, the conspirous How do you say that? Conspirious?
1: Conspirious. I'm sure that's not a word. Cons- but, you know, it's like a word, because if you say it, people know what you mean, which is, you know, that's what a word is. It's making sounds and it's conveying meaning. So well, I give it my seal of approval. Frankly, I have to tell you that our show is about a lot of things that a lot of people say aren't
0: real. And so I feel that I can say whatever word I want. (laughs) Yeah, you
1: know, that's a good point. All
0: right. This is Radio Wasteland. We are a show about conspiracies, paranormal, and things that go bump in the night. I am your host, Chauncey Hallworth, and this is my co-host, Kara. How are you doing this week, Kara? Pretty good. All right. Yeah. I um, am am trying to work out a a reworking of my life, a refocus. Um, Okay.
1: So you're a lion tamer now?
0: I well,
1: yeah. I mean, yeah. that's what happens when you refocus your life. Just like, oh shoot, now I'm land lion yeah, You yeah, know, yeah, It yeah, just yeah, happens. Yeah, yeah. You reshuffle just, uh, things, and it. Who knows where it ends up? You know,
0: I'm I'm sitting on top of this giant mess, and it's not really that a mess. Like I mean, life. it's it's like a bunch of different things that all work, but I want them all to work together. You know, so I have my business, and I have my clients, and I have my radio show, and I have my family, and I have my stuff, and and I have my art, and my enjoyment of movies. You know, I want to tie it all together. I want like the unified chance theory. Okay, you got
1: one? No, thanks. No, I think that's impossible. Yeah. Well, it's not. Impossible. But as you pointed out, the show is about things that people say are not real. So, right. Thanks, <laughs> thanks a lot.
0: Um, You know, it's like including the good life. Right, right. Well, this is what I tell my kids. I tell my kids that the best option in this world is to get paid to do what you love. Sure. The second best option is to get paid to do what you're good at so when you're done, you can do what you love. Okay. But I am creating a new option, a new number one. Oh, my. So those are getting moved to two and three. The number one is... (laughs) I want to get paid to exist.
1: That does seem ambitious.
0: Yes, I want to get paid to exist. And I'm not talking, you know, for... I mean, I do too. (laughs) Yeah, but you're a millennial. You want to do it in a different way than what I'm saying. (laughs) Because I was about to say, um, for all you political people out there that just went, oh my God, he wants to get paid to exist. No, I want to contribute to society. I want to work, which is what I do. But I want what I do to be... What what supports me? I don't want it to be what I love. I want to, it to be what I do. I uh, want it to be effortless.
1: How is that different than now? Uh, well,
0: because none of it involves a Twitcher account and playing a lot of World of Warcraft. You know?
1: Okay. So, in, in your ideal world, you would get paid for that.
0: What, for a Twitcher account?
1: Yeah, I mean, people do do that. Yeah, I know. It's weird. But it's unlikely. Yeah. It's like getting paid for making YouTube videos. You know, it happens to some people. Well,
0: I don't know. The i watch, rare people. <laughs> yeah, but I watch a lot of YouTube videos. They're adding some. Well, yeah. but I watch so
1: I. one channel called Comic
0: Tropes all the time, man. This guy's great. You can tell he is just totally nerdy. And like, and probably, you know, a little questionable about his own life and everything. But <laughs> I watch this guy going, man, he's living the dream. You I know. mean, YouTube is
1: fantastic, but it is. how many of those people are, you know, making money off of what they're doing or more accurately supporting themselves off what they're doing? Actually, probably a lot are making, you know, some money.
0: Right. But it's all about making little bits of money here and there and yeah. uh, in, enjoying your life and and being happy while, so my day job is I'm an SEO, that's search engine optimization. I'm a web developer, blah, blah, blah. Anybody who listens knows this. And a big part of building a website or building a web page is that you have to add value to somebody's a visitor's experience. Sure. And so that's a part of what I want. I want to add value. I don't want to just get paid to to not add value to existence, you know.
1: Yeah. Okay. I, I think I see what you mean. You see what and I'm Mrs. saying? And this is... Yeah, I mean this is maybe a a reasonable ethos for the 21st century. Right, right, you know, I for the gig economy of our world. Right, you know, I I want to
0: have value. I want to be uh valuable, I think is is the perfect word. I don't even need yeah. to split that up. I think I got it. Do you got it?
2: I I, I think, think I, I said it, it well enough. You yeah. think
0: you got it? <laughs> yeah.
1: So you've been restructuring your life to
0: To to make this happen. Well, no, I've been doing what I've done my entire life, which is beginning to begin. So uh, I guess I probably shouldn't go that far. Right, But I've been thinking a lot more about beginning to begin.
1: Well, that's the first step. The first step is... That's the first, you know, sub-step before the actual first step. Right. It's like sub-step one of five before you've actually started. Right. Well, it's really hard to execute while planning. You know, and, uh, that's that's not easy.
0: But planning has been a huge part of my life. But I figure I've done enough planning. I'm like uh, 42 now, I think. I don't know. Jared asks me all the time and then I tell him that I don't know and then I, we figure it out. How old am I, Jared? I don't know, but I don't believe that you don't know. I'm either 42 my or My mom is 65. She remembers that. She's going to be so pissed at you. <laughs> I don't not know because I'm geriatric. It was you and Jake uh, on your other <laughs> show. You asked Jake how old he was, and he was like, I don't know. He doesn't know. <laughs> it's because you don't have children. You don't know what life-sucking, horrible creatures they are. That <laughs> Jake they can... <laughs> is like two years older than me. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, his kids have like definitely aged him by like 20 years, and they're like two now. That's They've true. like sucked the life out of him. He's like all sunken in and like dead inside, you know. There's like a Did not he
1: only adopt them like a year and a half ago? That's the disturbing
0: part. It's like within a year and a half, like, there's like a black ice cube where his heart used to be.
1: It's like being president. You know, your hair turns white and you get all wrinkled. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. You know, Trump's holding up all right. Well, yeah, because he's not actually doing the job. (laughs)
3: <laughs>
1: it's pretty easy People aren't going to like that no one, care. All the time. Yeah, well, whatever I, th- I think people have figured out my political affiliations yeah, If they yeah. listen So, you know, if you disagree with me You can just say typical liberal and move on I right. won't be offended because I am a very typical liberal
0: Well, I will tell you that the president That I feel the worst for would have been Abraham Lincoln because he was, Oh, yeah. yeah yeah If
1: you see before and after pictures of him yeah. It's crazy yeah
0: And he was pretty fugly on the way in you know, so it's yeah, like things did not get better for him. No, so I don't know. Uh, all right, so tonight we have a pretty polarizing guest. Ah, uh, yes, we do. A pretty polarizing guest. We're going to be talking about naturopathic medicine and its sort of relationship to medical tyranny. It's the word that we put on this. The word that he's put on this. Yes, and just to wrap your brain around it, it's the sort of concept of is the government controlling your choices when it comes to medication, you know? Is the government... Well, not just medication. ...have too much involvement... But
1: medicine in general. ...in
0: your choices in medicine,
1: you know? That is the question. Yeah, and, um, you know, I would say... And he's coming from Canada, but, you know, he's done a lot of stuff here, and so, you know, it it really applies no matter what country you're in.
0: Well, with all the people all concerned about um, America or United States calling it America's ridiculous because that's both our continents put together. (laughs) The United States um, getting socialized health care. Sure. This is sort of a precursor to what a lot of people are worried about.
1: Yeah, I guess that's that's fair to say.
0: And really, 50% of our population is very worried about this stuff. You know, the other 50% wants it to happen. It's, (laughs) It's definitely one of those extremely polarizing topics
1: so of our time get ready to get angry
0: right get ready to get angry regardless of <laughs> which side you're on you're listening to radio wasteland come on back all right welcome back to radio wasteland and our guest david stefan david do we have you there with us
2: I am here. Thank you for having me on.
0: Yeah, sounds good. So, um, you know, i got to ask you the, the starting question that we ask all our, our guests. You know, our topic tonight is medical tyranny, and will these sort of situations that are going on in Canada move their way on down here to the United States? So how did you get involved in this topic?
2: Well, I found myself thrown into it when my son tragically passed away in 2012, and um, we are still actually trying to find out exactly what he passed away from. I know that uh, within the topic, it, it mentions that he died from bacterial meningitis. And that's the official narrative, that he died from bacterial meningitis and right pole empyema. Um, but what, what ended up happening is throughout the... Um, we ended up charged, I guess, first of all, uh, to give all of your listeners um, an idea as to how I got involved. We ended up getting charged 11 months after the passing of our son... And what ended up happening is he'd stopped breathing and uh, we decided obviously to take him to the hospital, even though he'd started breathing again after he coughed up some mucus and fluid. And he'd been sick off and on for about two weeks previous, but it was fairly mild symptoms, nothing that would uh, alarm an apparent, a parent to um, uh, take their child to the doctor or anything like that. And so... We decided to take him to the hospital, and on the way to the hospital, he stopped breathing again. And so he ended up in an ambulance that we met on the highway as we were driving. And he ended up, when he got to the hospital, he was brain dead. And we were really um, absolutely just shocked and wondering how he got to this point. And 11 months later, we're charged after an autopsy report came out saying that he died from bacterial meningitis that caused the brain death and a right pleural empyema, which is a well-developed lung infection or an infectious agent on the outer wall of the lung in the pleural cavity that would constrict his breathing that any, any attentive parent would have seen. And so what they were doing is they were creating this narrative that we were negligent parents, and what came out in the court case was that there was no scientific evidence for the bacterial meningitis Adult, and that there was actually withheld x-rays that showed that he had clear lungs upon arrival to the hospital, so he didn't have a rightful empyema as a second uh, causation of death. And so what we discovered throughout this process is they were profiling parents that, um, you know, if their child passed away, um, they were profiling them and seeing if they fit within a, a particular agenda that they could use to slander natural medicine as well as set the precedent that uh, if you don't seek allopathic treatments first and foremost, that you could go to jail. Now, what came out during the court case as well is that our son, when he ended up in the ambulance, that ambulance had been proactively de-stocked of the necessary equipment to get any pediatric patient an airway and had been de-stocked for over a year previous. And that constitutes criminal negligence. And so what happened is my son went over eight minutes without any oxygen whatsoever in that ambulance and subsequently ended up with brain death. So everything appeared to be a cover-up as well as uh, to set things in motion to set a precedent in Canada. And we were the first case of its kind in Canada. We had no case law to reference that was um, parallel to our our, our case. Uh, it was the first case where they took loving, attentive, caring parents and put them through this kind of process where these charges would normally be reserved for parents that are absolutely negligent, cruel, have an intent to harm their children, that type of thing.
0: So um, in your in your description there, you used a word I haven't heard before, allopathy. Was that it?
2: Yeah, allopathic medicine is the medicine that, that you would find, with I guess they call it traditional, even though it's not really traditional. It's only been around for, you know, since uh the last 70 years really um so we're, we're talking pharmaceutical uh medications or pharmaceutical treatments that that would be what we typically refer to as allopathic medicine i see i see
0: so is the so why i i guess we'll just hop right to the big question here and that is why would the canadian government be seeking this out you know what what do we feel is the conspiracy here the agenda here of doing that
2: well, you know, a lot of people are flocking away from uh, you know, your typical medical doctors and the hospital setting in droves and for the reason that um I mean it's becoming abundantly clear that you know just from taking properly prescribed medications every year, there's over a hundred thousand deaths in North America alone for taking properly prescribed medications the way that they have been prescribed. So just that alone well, is to really scare I don't people. think we
0: can I don't think we can really scare people, you know, or 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 address that without addressing the amount of lives that would die who didn't take those medicines.
2: Well, that's a good question, but when you or a good point uh, in regard to certain elements, I mean so when we're talking infectious disease, obviously antibiotics have had a, a tremendous uh, role in preventing infectious disease from running rampant. Um, but when we take a look at things like heart medications or biox, you know that type of stuff, uh, Celebrex, these types of medications that have been removed from the markets that had very little to no efficacy and, um, were just creating a lot more damage than they were good. It's starting to scare people. And I think that's the message that's being sent is that, um, people are, are, are becoming concerned about the treatments, the vaccines, the, the antidepressants that are causing suicide, that type of stuff. People are starting to flock away in droves. So I think the reason why they're moving forward with this is to try to um, scare people back in into compliance and that if they don't, that they may fear uh, going to jail like, like I ended up going to jail for three weeks. And so I believe that's the message that's being sent. And if, if that's not their intent, it sure is what is taking place. As I've, I've had many, many people reach out to me and indicate exactly that, that you know they're, they're terrified and don't know what to do. Do they go in just proactively just to make sure there's a paper trail? That type of thing.
1: And they, in this situation, is the Canadian government and or pharmaceutical companies, or
2: that that would be, yeah, that would be correct. and okay. and so there's definitely a history of health Canada um collaborating with the pharmaceutical industry and and basically uh, looking out for them more so than the health of Canadians,
0: so this is not too dissimilar from what's been in the news heavily for um, England. England has some pretty extreme laws down these lines.
2: Yeah, I'm not aware. Um, I couldn't comment on that.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah, it's been in the news a lot of um, the government basically trying to take children off of life support when parents don't want them to, and the government basically stepping in and saying, yes, we're going to do that.
2: Yes, like the Alpi Evans case. That's correct. Yeah, I was made aware of that one.
0: Yeah, yeah. Okay, so so the implication here is that um, basically big pharma is is controlling this.
2: I would I would absolutely speculate that that is the case. Um, and it's interesting to note that when we got our disclosure, that um, Health Canada had made an inquiry into the investigation, and that was really peculiar because I don't believe Health Canada, uh, the federal governing body. Um, over you know what medications are approved and all that, I don't believe that they make, they make inquiries into every single death investigation out there. So there was something peculiar about our case that they were that they were looking into um, that uh, that they probably wanted to move forward with something. So it's just really interesting that the governing body who collaborates with the pharmaceutical industry would be actually uh, inquiring into our case.
0: So, is is naturopathic medicine such a large industry that the government would take notice and and proactively set out to attack it?
2: It is growing. There's no doubt about it. And, and actually, if you were to go back in my history a little further, uh, my father actually discovered a um, a formulation, a natural formulation that assists with mental health conditions, and was um, after the first study came out proving it to be over three times more effective than your standard medical treatments for treating bipolar, Health Canada swooped in right off the bat the very next day after it made national news, and they attempted to shut us down, and we ended up spending about a decade in the courts with them, and we ended up beating them back uh, because it was proven that we are, you know, that our product did what we claimed it was doing. And so there's definitely a history that we've become aware of, not just with ourselves, but with any other naturopathic-type medicines that... um, that they have been attacking them if they're extremely therapeutic and are competing with the bottom line of the pharmaceutical industry.
0: So I'm assuming from our conversation that you're not like, um, adamantly opposed to allopathic All right. medicine. You're just saying that, uh, it might need to be reeled in, in some areas. And I think most people agree with that on some level. I mean, here we are in America with the, with, I mean, in uh, a United States with the opioid epidemic, um, and so I think everybody is going to agree with that a little bit.
2: Absolutely. You know, there's, there's a time and a place. You know, if I, if I fell off a roof, um, I wouldn't be asking for some naturopathic medicine to, to fix my leg that's, you know, the bone's protruding out the side because it's splintered up. You know, our emergency medicine is an absolutely beautiful thing, um, and, and same with, you know, an extreme infectious disease. You know, I wouldn't be, you know, if, if my child was in a situation that was dire, I wouldn't be, you know, messing around with that, uh, trying to, to play around with something that, that may not be nearly as potent as what you would get through um, a medical doctor. And so there is a time and place, and there's balance to it that needs to be applied. But, yeah, when we take a look at it, it definitely needs to be reeled in because it is getting out of control, and it appears that um, that the almighty dollar is definitely taking a much greater precedent than the, the health and well-being of uh, the people.
0: All right, David. Well, we're coming up on our first break here. Uh, we definitely have more questions for you. You're listening to David Stephen he, Stephen here on Radio Wasteland. We're talking about medical tyranny. Come on back. All right. Welcome back to Radio Wasteland and our guest, David Stephan. Um You know, David, in, in my case, so I – I have a bit of a a situation that kind of matches some of this medication getting out of control. I I go to the doctor and I got the cheap doctor cuz I'm poor like everybody else, you know. <laughs> and um and my doctor I I walk in and and he looks like the crypt keeper. He like literally looks like they they dug him up and threw him in the office, you know, to give me this medicine. And uh, I have high blood pressure, so he gives me some medication for high blood pressure and, and that's great. And then uh, you know, they end up getting rid of the Crypt Keeper and I end up getting this like this fashionable sort of young doctor who's much more um knowledgeable and she and she tells me, I want you to stop taking that medication right away because you also have high cholesterol and this isn't good for that, you need to be taking this other medication. And so I kind of equated this in my head as these sort of like old school guys sort of like pushing this old stuff and then, and not really following the new stuff. And then here all of a sudden I get this, this, this younger one who, who has some sort of knowledge of the new ways of things, you know? But, um, so really what I think the issue that everybody might have with what you're saying is, Coming out of a world of so much, um, you know, snake oil salesmen, basically, is like, how would this stuff be regulated? I mean, there has to be some level of regulation where we can have some sort of trust in the treatment that we're giving ourselves.
2: Right. So are you referencing the regulation of natural pathic medicines?
0: yeah yeah so so there there has to be some sort of um, regulation of naturopathic medicines, or or do you even think there should be?
2: well, it's that's an interesting topic, and it's definitely definitely a heated topic that has risen up again in Canada. And so here in Canada, in two thousand four, they implemented the NHP regulations, which is the natural health product regulations and And so in order to make any health claim, it ha- actually has to be approved by Health Canada. And many times it's, a, it's quite an onerous process, especially if, if there isn't already a product that has that health claim on it. And so um, you actually have to provide all the scientific evidence uh, to substantiate that claim. And so in, in Canada, they're actually quite heavily regulated to the point where we saw the loss of, of thousands of products uh, just because it wasn't worth jumping through the hoops um, to pay for all of the additional studies and the regulation fees, the licensing fees, all that type of stuff. And so Health or Canada actually lost a lot of products due to that. So there's, there's an upside and a downside to it. And the upside is that when somebody goes and grabs the product, it's a Health Canada-approved claim, though in many instances it's quite limited um, to, to what it, it actually does in, in the real world. But, you know, Health Canada is restricted it to these claims. But that's the upside is that whatever it says in the bottle, it's actually substantiated to do it. But the downside is is that the increased cost makes it quite onerous to the consumer at the end of the day. When many of them are willing to do their own research and find out what these products will and will not do, uh, especially in the age of information here, where at our fingertips we can just go online and 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 figure it out as to what products are are right for us.
1: There's a lot of context an average person is is going to be missing, though, right? I mean, there's there's a reason doctors go to medical school for, you know, four years and then wind up in residency for five or six years, like, like there's context to everything. You can't just look at a, a list of claims on a bottle and know everything that you need to know, right?
2: That, that's correct. Now, and so going into context as well, um, so doctors are generally um, only learning about pharmaceutical medications. And so the unfortunate thing about it is that um, they, they receive very little to no nutritional um, education throughout that entire seven years of their experience. Um, so it's it's kind of you know it's an unfortunate thing that even, even a doctor doesn't even have the full context. And with all of the new medications that can, are are continually being released, and all of the various contraindications that they have, the various side effects. There's no way that a doctor could actually have a full understanding of um, all the various medications out there that they could uh, in good conscience apply them to you um, and say that there's no risks involved at all. Uh, and, and to give some context to that, I spent, um, as part of my job, doing what we do. We actually assist people coming off pharmaceutical medications or psychiatric medications uh, to you know, switch over to nutrition. And I spent uh, about three months of my job actually going through um, the drug monographs and copying and pasting the various um, uh, drug interactions and side effects of these medications and I spent, a, in those three months, I only got up to about L, uh, if we're going alphabetically. So I didn't even get through all the medications. And it's amazing to see how much um information would be, uh, uh, or knowledge would be necessary in order to actually prescribe these types of things without putting people in a dangerous situation at times.
0: So what do you see as a resolution to this situation? So obviously we're in agreement that, that we need doctors and we need um, allopathy, Western medicine, whatever, and that um, people should have availability to better nutrition and uh, better nutrition education. You know, what do we see as an actual resolution to this problem?
2: Yeah, that, that's a great question. I think uh, I think it's informed consent that um, that allows clients to to be able to decide. Uh, or, or the people to decide what they put into their bodies and to have all the educational materials available to them um, the second thing is is the I guess the removal of the monopolization of the pharmaceutical industry because what we're seeing here is we, we see chiropractic um, medicine or chiropractic um, um Yeah, I guess medicine is what you'd call it—homeopathic medicine, naturopathic medicine—and then we have pharmaceutical medicine. So we have all of these different players, and then there's all—you know—obviously we can take a look at Chinese medicine, and and there's all sorts of different modalities available out there. But what we see taking place here is the monopolization of of the pharmaceutical industry, not only in the fact that um, in socialized medicine, like we have here in Canada, that's really the only thing that gets covered you don't have the coverage of naturopathic medicine or homeopathic medicine or anything else, even if there's substantive scientific evidence to back it up that these treatments would actually be a really good um, either a replacement or uh, alternative option to these pharmaceutical medications. So one, we don't have the coverage taking place. The taxpayer money is paying for the pharmaceutical medications and not covering anything else. And second to that, we're seeing this monopolization Taking a further hold, when we have court cases like mine and the one that just recently went through the second case of its kind in Canada, where now what's being the message that's being sent is how dare you look elsewhere, um, you know, to treat your children with anything else other than what the doctor would recommend, and for doing that, you know, you're you're, you're deemed to be a negligent parent, and, and you're going to go to jail.
0: Well, you know, 50% of the people here, obviously, if you follow the American news at all, which I assume it's kind of hard to avoid up there, Um, you know, 50% of the people, we are a very polarized nation, and so 50% of the people here might agree with you, but 50% of them are totally going to disagree with you, you know, um so is there some sort of halfway mark, you know, where... People can feel that the kids are being protected with their best interest in mind, but parents also have a little more control.
2: Yeah, absolutely. You know, I, it goes back to education, I I, I feel. Um, and second to that is that when we're talking about um, loving, attentive parents, uh there's nothing more that a loving attentive parent would want than the well being of their of their child and that alone should be motivating enough that they're gonna make what they feel is the is the right decision. Now that's where it starts to get pretty tricky is, you know, if the government is saying, well this is the right decision, but yet there's risks involved with it, then there has to be some choice. But the government is seeming to side with the pharmaceutical medications, even though in many instances the efficacy um may not actually be there or uh the, the risks are being covered up. And so there's there it's really there's really a conundrum there. And I I think it comes down to those two things is education to allow for informed consent and allowing parents to to make those choices. And if the government is going to begin subsidizing any of any of these types of treatments, they need to subsidize all of them or none of them. Yeah. Rather than helping to substantiate that monopolization.
1: I th- I think that crux of the argument here, and and where I can see it being a sticking point for some people, though, is, like, this all hinges on the idea, basically, that there is an effective alternative to Western medicine, which, like, I mean, obviously, you're coming from that perspective, and I want to say I'm open-minded, but, uh, like, as you pointed out, mainstream doctors do not learn about this stuff, and so there's kind of a schism between the stu- the kind of scientific studies you can find that support this efficacy, because that's not really being done by mainstream doctors, you know.
0: I'm sorry i got to cut us off here. Kara asked you a great question. that's a big we'll talk about in the
1: next segment. Right.
0: Kara asked you a great question. We're coming up on break here. You're listening to David Stevan here on Radio Wasteland, and we're talking huh? about medical tyranny. Come on back. All right, welcome back to Radio Wasteland, and our guest, David Steffen. We are talking about medical tyranny in Canada, and will it come to the United States? Uh, Carrie, you had a question before we went to.
1: Yeah, yeah, so let me just reiterate here. Um, So basically, what I'm seeing is that uh, there's a lot of, in the mainstream medical community, Basically, there's a lot of hostility towards natural medicine. You know, regardless of there are journals and there are there are studies that support this kind of thing, but they're kind of they're kind of separated from the rest of of the mainstream community. Um, and you may say that's not the least bit surprising because mainstream doctors are often not trained in any of this stuff, which you're, is absolutely correct. But I guess the thing that kind of worries me is if you if you start giving the same kind of consideration to natural medicine as we have to to the, I guess you'd call it allopathic system that we've had, um, I don't know, people just have a lot of trust in that, and it, it's hard for me to see people having the same kind of trust in something that people might see as fringe or, or not as effective. I see what you're
0: saying. It, you know, it... You're saying that it's it's potentially if we treat
1: them the same legally, like that's going to worry people. Basically, it worries me. It's potentially
0: irresponsible of us to give the same credence to something that doesn't have the scientific backing that the other one has.
1: That, I think. Yeah, and one could argue that it does have the same scientific backing, but it's it's not by the same people. You know, it's not by the same system. It's it's a kind of a separate thing. What but you- but what would you say to that? Because you're more informed about this than I am,
2: clearly. Well, you know, I come from the um, the area more specializing in psychiatric medication, and so if I were to speak on that, um, I would say, you know, the general perception out there is that uh, the medications are studied, they're proven, and that they're safe and they're effective. And um, in regard to psychiatric medication, there couldn't be anything really further from the truth on that matter. And in fact, what we're seeing today is the evidence coming out, much of it was suppressed, especially in regard to, let's say, the SSRI medications, your um, selective serotonin reuptake inhibitors. What we see is the suppressed evidence that they had studied them and found that they were actually increasing the risk of suicide by anywhere from two to eight times. And that wasn't what was um, coming before the public, because that would have scared the heck out of just about anybody. They'd say, "Why the heck would I want to take something that could actually make me kill myself um, when I kind of already feel like killing myself?" And so when we're talking about that A very they good were talking question
3: about,
2: yeah, so when we talk about natural medicine in regard to that, so I'm obviously I'm an expert in in what I do in the products that that i um, that I go and I, I promote and educate on. We're talking about 34 medical journal publications on just the one formulation that we have, showing it to be over three times more effective than your standard psychiatric uh, treatments um, for many things like depression and anxiety and uh, bipolar. And so, and these weren't, these aren't fringe medical journals that, that these studies were published in. So it, it's really interesting that there's just this paradigm within the medical community that as they're indoctrinated, literally, um, uh, on the pharmaceutical model, that they're basically trained to not even look at the evidence that is out there regarding natural medicine that would show that it would be equally, or in some cases, much more effective than the medical treat or the pharmaceutical treatments, and yet without the the, the risky side effects. And so, I'm, my understanding is that this applies uh, much broader than just the psychiatric treatments as well, but. We just see that it seems to be more, more of a paradigm issue than it is about a scientific issue.
0: I see. Well, you know, part of the issue here is that um, that it's going to be a long time before society is educated enough to deal with any of these things. I mean, I like to think of myself as a pretty smart guy, but you know, I got a wife, I got kids, I got multiple jobs, I got all this stuff. I don't have time to to necessarily figure everything out. You know, so. It creates a very difficult time for the amount of time that it will take to educate society and then to roll some of this stuff back without demonizing Western medicine that definitely has scientific backing on it, you know. We seem to live in this this black and white world where if you're on one side, you hate the other, you know. And so, like, uh, you know. What is what? It, what's a possible game plan for educating the world without demonizing the other side?
1: Well, you know they say science advances one funeral at a time, so you know these paradigms do change slowly. So really, I guess time will tell, right?
2: Yeah. So yeah, going back to to what the solution is, I, I think well, I think it comes down to breaking down the barriers that that people hold on to, where they're all for one one thing and and completely against another thing. So, you know, we would see a much different medical system if nutrition found its way in there. We would find that there'd be a lot more preventative medicine rather than, um, you know, uh, being reactive to the symptoms that are now um, appearing because of a lack of nutrition or being proactive. And so, it would it would change a lot of things, and it would actually save a lot of money to the the healthcare system. And I'm not sure how exactly it works down in the states, but in Canada, the healthcare system is an absolute tax burden. The costs are so incredibly high; they're constantly making cuts. Hence, why they probably destocked the ambulance that my son ended up in. Um, I don't know if it was for cost savings or what the motivation was, but the fact of the matter is, it, it puts uh, it puts lives at risk at risk. And so um, I think that just breaking down a lot of those barriers and allowing them all to kind of mesh together and allowing people to make that choice and giving doctors a much more holistic med- um, uh, education rather than uh, just learning uh, strictly about one, one type of uh, uh, medication route. I think that would be very beneficial and so that they don't feel like they're playing a team sport and they're all for pharmaceutical medications and everything else is not credible.
0: Well, David, we're coming up on the end of the interview here. Uh, can you tell our audience a little bit more where they can find out more about you um, online, maybe?
2: Absolutely, yes. Yeah. So, so I am on Facebook where I where I do put um, a lot of the information. I just covered a recent court case here in Canada that, that there was the second of its kind, uh, mine being the first. Um, and so Facebook, if you just look up David Stephan, you'll find me there. And then I've, I've also got, uh, Stand for Truth, uh, that's Stand and then the number four and then truth.ca, which we're going to begin. It's, it's a little bit archaic right now, but we're going to begin putting a lot of information on there as well as on the Stand for Truth, uh, YouTube channel and the Stand for Truth, uh, Facebook page.
0: Well, we really appreciate you being on the show. You know, uh, it definitely, you know, is a, is a very polarizing topic and uh and not one they've done before and definitely not one that we've done before so we yeah. really appreciate it
2: well thank you so much for having me on i appreciate you hearing me out
0: no problem all right you've been listening to radio wasteland with our guest david stefan thanks for checking us out all right welcome back to radio wasteland you've been listening to our guest david stefan
1: we certainly have
0: And uh, just for a little backstory here, Kara's parents are both doctors.
1: Okay, that's not why this is a difficult... Yes, it is. No, it's not. (laughs) Because, see, most of the stuff we talk about, you know, maybe I think, okay, that's kind of crazy. And, like, the geoengineering one was a little hard for me, too, because I just know a lot about climate change. But at the end of the day, like, it, it really doesn't matter what some guy believes. Right. But this is, like... We're an entertainment show, not a, an advocacy show. So it's weird because this was one episode where we're doing something where, in fact, it really does matter what you believe on this particular topic.
0: Right. So what was your view of our guest?
1: I mean, he seems like a nice guy. Right. <laughs> he he seems very reasonable. And like he said, loving, attentive parent. I'm absolutely sure he is that. Mm. But I mean... The crux of the argument, basically, is that alternative medicine is a good alternative to medicine, right? which I, I really don't think there's a lot of good evidence for, and, and it really didn't come up in the show, but everything I've looked into has, has not demonstrated that.
0: Well, yeah, and, and and for complete transparency, I went out of my way to make sure that it didn't it didn't really come up in the show. Right.
1: You know, because- until I brought it up. <laughs> <laughs> for for precisely that reason is um I am But not- like his whole argument makes no sense in, unless you believe that. And if you do believe that, then his argument makes perfect sense. Like if alternative medicine works, then it should legally be considered, you know, as effective as As anything else, it should just be considered medicine. The problem is, it's often regarded as quackery.
0: Well, unfortunately, I think that there is a halfway belief here that just like everything else in our country is going to be really hard to get to. Sure. But the bottom line is that, in my opinion, our government is in the pockets of big corporations and big pharma. Oh, absolutely. And they are pushing a lot of crap on us. That is, Yeah, that's something he terrible. said
1: I really agree with, actually.
0: You know, so but. it becomes difficult in this world where people use other arguments to fund other arguments. Um, mm-hmm. But that one, unfortunately, I think is very true. Yeah. You know, um, we are being pushed with brain meds specifically that are just brutal. I mean, anybody that I know personally, you know, transparency, complete. I'm brain medicated. And um, it took years of basically experimenting on me and them giving me like, oh, well, let's try this. And and of me not holding down a job and me having a really hard time with life until we finally found a concoction that works well enough. Yeah. And uh, so so here I am. And but 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 there was a lot of experimentation going on at my expense.
1: Yeah. And I agree. But like. I think that's less the fault of medicine and more the fault of the way our society is organized
3: yeah
0: and i agree and and to to play devil's advocate and come like from I, his angle had medicine
1: I just, isn't perfect that is true
0: yeah had i just lost some weight and really sort of got on with my life i probably would have felt a lot better yeah maybe yeah i mean i'd like to now
1: <laughs> <laughs> so you know
0: <laughs> i'm still chasing that same dream yeah But that kind
1: of thing doesn't work for people who are genuinely really sick.
0: Of course not. Of course not. No, absolutely. Uh, I agree. I am in no way telling people to come off of their medicine that their doctor's is them
3: to take.
0: (laughs) I would never say that. Anybody who's listening, that is a no-go. But I do understand that our medical system, as much as anything else in this country, is in the pockets of insurance and big pharma.
1: Oh, yeah. Honestly, I think... If you talk to a lot of doctors, heck, my parents would say that. They do say that. They say that a lot. (laughs) You know, they. Oh, this is a good question. Yeah. So have your parents. No one likes big pharma, least of all
0: doctors. Have your parents ever been approached in some sort of way where they were sort of being pushed to prescribe medications?
1: I have no idea. We're going to have to ask them. (laughs) Yeah, I, I really couldn't say, but I know. You know, doctors are people like every everyone else, but I, I think the majority of people who become doctors or nurses or whatever really do want to help. Right. Right. Yeah. But, yeah, you know, there's always people who are willing to push stuff because they want to make money, right? Right. And and one thing that he said that we didn't really have a chance to But address. that's true of alternative medicine also, Well, want right. point out.
0: <laughs> one thing that he said that I, I definitely wanted to address at the time, I just didn't want to over-talk him, uh, was... um any sort of inkling that the internet is full
1: of quality information yeah uh it's not yeah you know um, and and regardless of you know whether doctors have perfect education you know there's no comparison to be made between a total lack of medical training and not having a comprehensive knowledge about every form of medication ever made right those
0: two are not equivalent (laughs) right and uh, personally i'm a sciency guy and i feel that we have to put our trust in the best and the brightest yeah and what we need to do is we need to fix our system of who the best and the brightest is and yeah. who, you know we have to trust these people
1: yeah i absolutely when climatologists
0: agree with that. tell us that it's going down we need to believe them because I am not capable of. But see, that's it a
1: very similar thing because the geoengineering <laughs> guy—he was telling us there were studies backing everything he was saying, and yet he was agree- disagreeing with you know ninety-nine point nine percent of climatologists on the planet. So maybe the studies are no good.
0: <laughs> well, you, <laughs> you can, know, you can easily it, manipulate statistics. It's the same statistics. type of thing.
1: You can yeah. one can easily manipulate statistics, which is why I think it's best to just you know listen to the people who know what they're talking about.
0: Yeah, I think we were uh, – so Jared and I, we've been watching this show called Adam Ruins Everything on, <laughs> on TV, and one guy had put out a study on how chocolate's good for you, and he totally sure. made it up. And it was just solely to prove that he could get it, and it totally went viral. All the mainstream yeah. media picked it up just because he, he published it in some BS uh, mm-hmm. medical journal and – and his experiment was solely a sociological one to see, yeah, how many people he could get interested in believing that chocolate was good for you.
1: Yeah, I'll definitely. Yeah, our our <clears throat> science media is terrible, and yeah. our system of funding scientists in this country is pretty terrible, also. And in right. fact, it's kind of terrible in a lot of countries. They they do it well in in some places. I think uh, Denmark, notably, as as very now with that but to be fair to david <laughs>
0: here is one thing that he did open my mind to the possibility of okay with socialized medicine mm-hmm. which is something that i've wanted here in the united states sure me too a lot of people might scoff at that out there you know whatever mm-hmm. we'll take it up in the voting booth but he brought up the point that socialized medicine is not covering preventative medicine and my wife That's has better really insurance true, than i have and her insurance does cover it but mine doesn't because i basically have socialized medicine
1: yeah i mean it depends on what you're talking about
0: yeah right yeah it, it, it does and it's a <laughs> it whole
1: covers lot. doctor's visits and a lot of the reason you know in this country we have a big problem with people going to the not going to the doctor often enough and not catching stuff early that's right. preventative medicine. Oh, that's totally me. I've been sitting. On this,
0: I've been sitting on this piece. Of, oh, it's totally Jared, too, but I won't rat him out here. Right. Um, I've been Yeah. Si- I, d- I don't see
1: the doctor as often as I should because, you know, it's expensive.
0: I've been sitting you on this ration it. I've been sitting on this order to get blood work done for like two weeks so, <laughs> just because
1: I don't want to go down there and wait at Safeway or whatever. Okay, well, you should probably get that done. (laughs) But, uh, see, see, that's my point. Like, Canada is much better than we are at preventative medicine. I don't know. See, a lot of people would argue that the Canadians are coming down here for some other stuff, too. Well, they are. They're they're probably not as good for specialist medicine. Mm. But, you know, that only matters if you're rich enough to afford specialist medicine in the U.S. You know, for the vast majority of people, I'd say a socialized medicine system serves you better. If you're rich and you have a weird illness, then our system is probably the best in the world. Well, I can <laughs> tell you this. I'm a
0: smart cookie, and Kara's a smart chick, and we really know what we've told you is about what we know about this. And yeah. I think this brings us back to the fact that we need to believe in in our scientists. We need to go above them and basically say to big pharma and to our governments, no. But when it comes to our scientists, we just need to believe them. There's too much information in the world for us to, for every human being to try to dissect by themselves. Amen. All right, you're listening to Radio Wasteland. Come on back for the news. All right, welcome back to Radio Wasteland. Carrie. you got some news for us?
1: I do. And speaking of conspiracies... um This is one I feel like if Joe was here, he would kind of have a a field day with this. But, um, Interpol has been, people are saying that Interpol is being manipulated by uh, authoritarian governments into kind of being their henchmen. And it's Interpol,
0: like the European police.
1: Well, yeah, it's a police force that crosses, you know, jurisdictional boundaries Mm -hmm. from, you know, a number of different nations. So. Um, one of the stories I read started with the story of this guy, I think, Mr. Browden in in Spain. Now, he's an activist of some sort who got on Russia's bad side. Um, men come to his door one day. They're Interpol. Um, they introduce themselves as Interpol Russia, and they tell him he's under arrest because mm. Russia doesn't like what he's doing. He's held for, I think it was like 48 hours. Eventually... Um, they get the word, no, you have to let this guy go because, uh, the, the larger international body, not just the Russia branch stepped in and say, Hey, wait, you can't, you know, just persecute this guy cause you don't like him. Right. Which is what they were doing. There were, the charges were trumped up. There was, there was absolutely no substance to them. Right. Um, and so that particular time he was let go after like 48 hours, but you know, if, If the bureaucracy hadn't worked so quickly, or if they'd just taken him back to Russia, who knows? Right. So, basically, this is a problem of when Interpol was founded, there weren't a lot of safeguards for people. Basically, no one conceived that anyone in Interpol might use the organization for this kind of thing. Right. And now people are, and it's a big problem.
0: Yeah. Well, you know, it's it is kind of science fiction terrifying.
1: Right. That's crazy. People who aren't even from your country, you know, from like a totalitarian country suddenly come in and say, hey, we have jurisdiction over you. Come with us. Right. (laughs) We're taking you back to a country where we can do whatever we want to you. Yeah. So, I mean, Putin really is kind of a supervillain. Basically, yeah, Yeah. but um, as the article pointed out, it didn't offer specific examples, but this has been ongoing for a couple of years, and the Chinese have been doing this, too.
0: So does everybody have an Interpol? Do we have
1: one? Or is this
0: a Eurasian
1: thing? I'm honestly not totally sure. I I think it's largely Eurasian, but, you know, in a globalized world like ours, I think think most countries kind of play nice with them. I see. And that they, at the very least, have some presence basically everywhere, I think.
0: Yeah, well, we're seeing a lot of potential for totalitarianism, Mm -hmm. you know, on a massive just global scale. Oh, yeah. You know, I guess Thailand was just in the news for um, making fake news laws um, so that they could shut down anybody talking smack about the government. Right. And then here we are, you know, with uh, Trump, who is definitely trying to say things that are contradictory right. to you know uh turning on the media instead of trying to fix the media and yeah. stuff like that <laughs> uh you, you know regardless of how you feel i i think we should agree that that trump should be trying to fix the media and not do away with it right you know doing away with the media is is uh, some scary stuff
1: right yeah i mean there's a lot of things he's indicated that you know he wants to do which would be terrifying if if he could do them but i I think we have a pretty strong system of checks and balances fortunately
0: right yeah one was uh like trying to get rid of the the thing that if you're born here you're a citizen
1: right he basically passed an executive order getting rid of that and or he indicated that he was going to right but like that's in the constitution so Well, you, it is an can't... amendment. It's not in the initial constitution. Well, it doesn't matter. The <laughs> freedom of religion <laughs> is an amendment. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just saying, you know, you can amend that amendment. <laughs> yeah, you can with like three-fourths of the state. So this part kind of threw me off.
0: Like, if, if being born here doesn't make you a citizen, what makes you a citizen then?
1: I don't even know how it would work. Although, a lot of countries don't have birthright citizenships. And it, as you pointed out, is an amendment. We didn't always have that.
3: So how but do they? Do I, it? Can I, they just say
1: to anybody, "You're not really a citizen"? I actually have no idea. Huh. I, yeah, I just do not know that. So in Starship Troopers,
0: in Starship Troopers, a book by Robert Heinlein, mm-hmm. uh, not the movie. Anybody out there talking about the movie? You know, that movie's terrible. But in the book, they have citizens and civilians, and everybody is a citizen in the country. But you're not a civilian unless you've served in the military, and only civilians can vote. You know, Robert Heinlein had this really sort of interesting way of, you know, how Arthur C. Clarke had this way of, like, explaining technology for morons. Yeah. Uh, Robert Heinlein could really do this with with uh, sociological ideas, and uh, Starship mm-hmm. Troopers is a great example of that. And I think that's really kind of where we're headed, you know, is this yeah. um, rules, well, you know. Too many people involved in each other's lives, you know. So so here are all the Democrats and You know, I think they're getting a little too involved in other people's lives, you know, but here are all the Republicans talking about how they don't want to be involved in other people's lives, but also getting involved in other people's lives. It's weird. (laughs) You know, it's like
1: they're just kind of each justifying the ways that they can get involved in people's lives. You know, it's like, well, you know, I I think it's pretty inevitable. Like, if you make laws, that's what you're doing, right? It is. If, If you're a government, your job is to tell people what to do. On some level that the government enforces laws using force at the basic level. That's what a government is.
0: Right. But a whole (laughs) third of our government is entirely based around making laws, but not taking any of them down.
1: Well, that's not necessary. In theory, that's not true. In theory, you can you know, you can repeal laws that happens all the time. In, so in all practice, senators on Chuck definite, Todd
0: talking about all the laws yeah. they made, and I'm just all like, yeah.
1: In practice, there's definitely bloat going on, especially when it comes to itty bitty little regulations no one really cares about, right? Except like that affects some tiny little industry. I, I mean, I'm as I'm as leftist as they come, but I do think we're pretty overregulated in this country. Like yeah, there's a lot of red tape and bureaucracy that I I think persists because because. It's so obscure that there's no political will to change any of it,
0: right? And and so many of them are like just looped into other things,
1: you yeah. Know? And like, on a a lot of it is just honestly like no one rails against this more than like big business owners, but a lot of it is to the benefit of massive corporations. Oh, totally. You know, yeah, com- totally. Your small business can't compete because he can't <laughs> even begin to wrap his head around what it's legal for him to do. Right. Your big corporation can. First, they wrote the laws. Second, they can hire an army of lawyers. Right. To so your your local you know?
0: gentrified cupcake business isn't going to the uh, local senator saying, "I'm going to hook you up with twelve cupcakes." You, uh, you push <laughs> exactly. this law through. And yeah, it's you just know, all so like, cream cheese frosting.
1: Yeah. Done. <laughs> so I, I think that's a huge problem in this country, and that's definitely something that the Democrats. There's a lot I don't like about the Democrats. I just don't like the Republicans so much that like. If we had a party that was, like, to the left of the Democrats, like they do in a lot of countries, you know, the the Democrats are what the ideology that is considered liberal. Right. The word liberal, that basically means you're a centrist in in most countries. And there's usually, like, a socialist party. Right. I would be all over voting for the socialists if if we had them. But basically, we have the Democrats and the Republicans, and I really don't like the Republicans, so I feel kind of stuck.
0: Yeah, you know? I feel I feel stuck <laughs> with social issues. You know, I just yeah. I just really feel like all Americans need to feel safe and like Americans before we can solve all these other problems. Right. You know, and and that's really kind of the the people that I team up with. So I mm-hmm. mean, if the Republicans got up and started touting a bunch of ideas about how we all needed to be equal, I would probably listen to them more. Yeah. You know, but uh, people just aren't really saying. Yeah. All right, so you've been listening to Radio Wasteland. Have a good evening.